Hello, after quite a long break, um, I'm back podcasting again. Like so many of you, I got COVID in uh, February, I think, end of February. And uh, although it didn't last very long, um, I did still have a bit of a sore throat uh, for quite a time, actually. And uh, every time I started to do a podcast, I was sort of needing water and uh, I thought, uh, give it a rest. So, um, what I'd like to share with you is I did a lot of sessions over the Easter holidays um, when um, I run my sort of basically a confidence and resilience course. Um, and I call it a junior NLP program because it's four one hour sessions where children learn, particularly I'd say children um, who are in year six, who are going off to uh, year seven in September, which can be quite a transition for them and the school prepares them extremely well in most cases but the junior NLP program covers um, one section that um, I particularly like to talk to you about today which is how we learn and one of the things I've noticed about the children I work with is that when say in a class they don't completely understand what the children what they're sorry what the teacher is saying they're a bit confused um they don't follow it and um they sort of lose concentration because they've sort of lost really the thread the person they blame is themselves so what they make that mean is that i'm stupid i'm confused i don't get it i can't do it um and it triggers them in quite badly, really. And that then blocks them from following the rest of the lesson. And one of the things, it also doesn't help, obviously, when they come to do the homework that evening. So one of the things we talk about is sort of responsibility for communication, shall we say. And um, I ask them, if they don't understand what a teacher's saying, whose responsibility is it, you know, percentage-wise? And what they usually say is 50-50. But then I say, what do you really feel, though, when you're in the class? And they say, well, more like 80-20, as in it's 80% their responsibility to understand and 20% the teachers. And I do wonder whether perhaps teachers also feel that, that it's mostly up to the child to to, to focus, to concentrate, pay attention, listen, etc., not lark about. Um, but they feel that logically it's about 50-50. Um, and as I said, they're experiencing it much greater than that, that it's mostly their fault. Then I talk to them about um, the fact that teachers are actually given a lot of training. They have masses of experience. They've delivered this lesson or similar lessons before. So now what percentage and it's quite interesting because they realize that, of course, they're hearing this lesson for the first time. The teacher knows this stuff. You know, they've done a university degree. They've had lots of experience. This is their area of speciality, their specialism. And when they think of it like that, they realize that actually um, it's more like 80 percent responsibility of the teacher and only 20 percent for them. So this makes them question, you know, the fact that maybe it isn't just that they're stupid, because that is a blocker when they feel that. It really does stop them then progressing with the rest of the lesson. It, it sets up a sort of, I can't do this, I don't understand block. 
when they think about it like that, they then start to think, well, yeah, I do have a, I, I should ask. Um, and when uh, we have that discussion, um, they also say that perhaps actually maybe others in the class don't understand as well. You know, once they start thinking about, well, actually, maybe it isn't just me, maybe others don't understand. So that gets them thinking, well, maybe I could put my hand up and, uh, and ask. And what do they think that they're going to say? So I asked a boy, um, in fact, I think it was yesterday, and he said, I'm sorry, um, I'm sorry, sir, um, I just don't understand. Um, and there again, we've got an I'm sorry. Yes, respectful, of course, but actually, I'm sorry suggests that it is actually something that they've done wrong, so therefore confirming that it's them that's at fault. Um, and I just don't understand. Well, just minimizes, doesn't it? And but I just don't understand also emphasizes that it's all about them and not understanding. So we, we talk a bit about how we might reword that. But basically what it comes down to is encouraging your child to, to stand up for their right to have the, the teaching explained in a way that they can understand, asking if they if the teacher can repeat it perhaps or repeat it a little slower or go go over it again or or whatever. Um, and this actually leads to my talking about how we learn because we all learn differently. We're quite unique in a sense, but there are generals, generalizations. And uh, and those um, in NLP terms are uh, we call visual, auditory, and kinesthetic. So if you throw into this equation that you've got maybe a class of thirty children, all of whom learn, uh, they have a preference whether they're visual, auditory, or kinesthetic, and as does the teacher. So um, understanding which your child prefers is a is a great help, um, and. I thought that children were taught this at school. Um, I think mine were, but that was a little while ago. So have a chat with your child about how they learn. And actually, this is explained extremely well, though I say it myself, um, in my books. Um, and you'll certainly find that in Be a Happier Parent with NLP. You'll find it in Empower Your Kids and Understanding Children and Teens. And there's almost certainly other blog posts and things that I've written about it. But in a nutshell, visual is where you learn by what you see. So it would be diagrams, it would be posters, it would be videos, it would be things that you see. Um, it would be, um, and that would be uh, important that you, if you learn visually, that you also are allowed to write notes so that you can see what you've written. Now, I believe in some classes you're not actually allowed to do that, which surprises me because for, for, for most children, actually writing something down, underlining it, doing circles, doing boxes, doing arrows really helps them to integrate the learning. So if you're a visual learner, you're looking, you're looking at something, you want to see what you're learning. If you um, are an auditory learner, um, then you, you obviously want to, to listen. Um, and auditory learners, and indeed kinesthetic that I'll explain in a minute, auditory learners process a little slower. They just, because, and this isn't like a negative thing, it's because they're listening 
attentively to the actual words. They pay attention to the words used. They're really focusing on the listening where, you know, the visual is the visual learner is focusing on what they see. So the auditory learner is, is, is needs a little longer to process. Um, they tend to be sort of a little bit more musical and in on the negative side, in the sort of disruption side, um, if say somebody's tapping a pen or or talking to them or or asking them something or there's some noises in the background, they actually find it really hard to concentrate. So if you have an auditory learner, they'll either need silence or they'll want to control the noise by having their headphones on and listening to music while they're, say, doing their homework. So if you're, if yours is an auditory learner and they say, I want to listen to my music, um, you know, as long as they're actually doing their homework and getting the marks you're, you're looking for or they're looking for, that's actually how they learn. And it really is, it isn't them just, you know, trying to get out of doing their homework. Um, but it, in a class, it's obviously quite, can be quite um, uh, difficult for them to concentrate if there are noises around. Um, and a kinesthetic learner will learn through doing, through actually doing. So they will find things like science, um, where you're sort of hands on maybe doing experiments or any class uh, classes where they're actively learning through doing. So maybe debating or uh, doing a sort of project together. So that's how they learn. Your kinesthetic learner will be quite um uh, affected by temperature. So if your classroom has a window open because of COVID and they're cold, they'll they'll really struggle to concentrate. Or indeed in the summer, if the window's closed and they're overly hot. So they're very sensitive to temperature. Um, they're also sensitive to uh, food and um, hunger. So they'll find it quite difficult in the lesson coming up to lunchtime uh, when they haven't eaten for a while. So it'll be important for them to have snacks in the morning and have plenty to eat. And they'll also be getting hungry towards the end of the day. And it's really important they obviously have some sort of breakfast, even if it's of a, a smoothie or something like that. So visual, auditory and kinesthetic learners can be uh, determined like that. Now, if you've got, um, uh, say, an auditory or kinesthetic learner in the family, but the teacher is visual, that can be tricky sometimes in so much as the visual teacher tends to have a slightly higher voice higher pitched voice because they're sort of they're, they're processing very fast much faster than the auditory or kinesthetic learner so they talk quite fast they're they're slightly higher pitched because they're really accessing images they're sort of looking up into their brain um, and that sends their voice up a bit and they're actively searching for the images maybe they're they're imagining the sort of page that they want that they're talking about or imagining say something in history or geography sort of seeing in their mind maybe a volcano or a picture of a landscape and so that uh, sort of teacher if they tending to focus very much on teaching in a visual way it could well be that the auditory or kinesthetic learner in the class is struggling a little bit. 
obviously in an ideal world, and, and this is how I work with my clients, my child and teen clients, is that we might do an activity. Well, we do lots of activities, actually. It's quite fun in the sessions I do. Um, I will talk about it in, in all three ways. So I'll say, do you see this uh, Lego on the table? And um, I expect you're imagining what you're going to do with it. That's visual. Auditory is what I'm going to tell you and explain what we're going to do. Auditory and kinesthetic. I want you to build a model of trust or friendship or failure or fear of failure or something like that so you cover all three and as a parent that's important too because uh, I know lots of mums get exasperated with their teens bedrooms being in a mess and you know some parents I was working with yesterday said that they had to keep their own private supply of towels because their daughter sort of used up all the towels and all these wet towels were sort of distributed around the carpet in her room and that she ran out of clothes and various things like that and um, so think about you know is your child visual auditory or kinesthetic and if you're not sure cover all three by saying look at the state of your room so that's visual I'm sure I asked you to clear it up and I you know really liked you to do that just you know uh, and explain perhaps why I'd like to explain why it's because we've run out of towels and you've run out of clothes um, and then uh, kinesthetic is just get on and do it, you know. Uh, if you've got quite a young child, they might like the challenge of, I wonder how quickly you can do it. Um, so uh, the doing words very much relate to kinesthetic. So the purpose really of this podcast is to really get you having um, some curiosity about your child and their learning pattern. You know, we've just gone back to school after the Easter uh, break. Uh, many children have got exams coming up, uh, probably a little late for some in terms of revision, but, um, you know, the sort of cramming the night before or, or go, just going through your notes and so on, a visual learner with exams coming up needs to read them uh, and potentially write things out as well but reading them and looking will be a good thing for them to do uh, maybe a video you know say if they're doing history a video that's of that period or a tv sort of a film or something like that will really help them sort of uh, ingrain uh, and get a sense of that period and what the, and the topic an auditory learner will be sort of great to have sort of podcasts or YouTube videos. Well, that's good really for all of them. But also maybe reading out loud, you know, hearing it really helps. So reading out loud, get them to tell you about it. You know, tell, tell me about whatever the subject is, you know, in a nutshell, you know, what's the story of, you know, whatever. So getting them to explain it for an auditory child will be helpful. And to talk about it, to, to record um, something for themselves as a, a reminder, uh, sort of like top 10 points about the whatever that particular topic, things I need to remember are, and just to record it. And the kinesthetic uh, learner, actually, yes, walking around. If your child says, oh, it really helps me to walk around the garden. Yes, it probably does if they're kinesthetic. 
Um, being cooped up inside is not great for a kinesthetic. Being sitting still is also not great. You can certainly tell if your child is kinesthetic if they're very fidgety. And if I have a child like that in the therapy room, we'll go outside, have a wander around and just talk, you know, as we walk around the garden. Because it, it's much easier to talk to a child, you know, when you're not face to face and also if you're doing something. So, you know, if your child's getting anxious about exams, um, think about doing that, you know, drag them off on a dog walk, you know, have a chat sort of in the car, driving them somewhere or picking them up. It'll be so much easier. And there's lots and lots of ways that you can help with uh, with anxiety. I would say the best is um, EFT, which is tapping. And you'll find loads of tapping videos on my YouTube channel, which is called NLP Kids. Um, and if you're not sure or if you want some help, please get in touch. I'm incredibly available, embarrassingly, um, because I just love what I do so much. Um, I will uh, always take a call unless I've actually got a client with me. So just get in touch. And um, I, I look forward to helping you further. But you'll find all of this stuff in my books, which are readily available on Amazon and, of course, on my website. So that's enough for now. And for those of you with children doing exams best of luck and um, I hope all goes well and that you come out the other side smiling okay bye